Hey everybody, this is the Altcoin Buzz Podcast, episode number 11. It's me and Sash uh, here with you today. How you doing, buddy? Hey everybody. Good, I'm good. Pretty good. What's happening? Man, do we have some stuff to talk about. <laughs> you and yeah. I have been talking on the phone and I just couldn't wait to get it out to all the listeners and let them hear what you've been doing. Uh, but before we start off in talking about the conference in Singapore... Uh, why don't you tell the Altcoin Buzz podcast listeners uh, what you do for Altcoin Buzz? Because you're this guy who's out there working behind the scenes hardcore, and nobody uh, sees you very much. But uh, uh, you're a rock man. So t- tell everybody, tell everybody what you do in the Altcoin Buzz team. So essentially, I'm looking for you know interesting cryptocurrencies and interesting ICOs all the time. And besides the one that you get that we are approached by and everybody is you know writing about on the youtube comments and twitter i'm always doing my research to find out how we can get to know things you know before they kind of become popular and as a channel our goal is to get interesting content before everybody else so i kind of look onto that front second i look at you know the business development site and kind of we we redoing revamping our entire website you know, making this podcast itself easily uh, accessible by people. Right now, it's a bit of a mess. It'll take another one more week to get the house in order there. Uh, we're kind of starting to write vlogs and, you know, uh, no, I mean blogs so that people can read stuff and, you know, get more information uh, handy about things that are going on. Uh, we're also looking at seeing how we can get merchandising done so that, you know, worldwide, like um, we're looking for a merchandising partner who could do worldwide shipping and, you know, everybody could get access to some crazy altcoin buzz merchandise. Um, besides that, besides all this with altcoin buzz, I advise a couple of cryptocurrencies and ICO. I'm the chief advisor for Safe, SafeX and uh, I also advise Safehaven and uh, Taskfair. It's good that you're explaining all that because a lot of people are going to stumble upon this podcast and they're not going to know your background and that, you know, we do have a large team, uh, a diversified team on the altcoin buzz yeah. and, and they need to know. Also, it's, it's interesting. I, you're, you're talking about watching the comments. So, I mean, for everybody out there that, that watches on the YouTube channel, and and puts their comments in Twitter and all the other social medias. So you're saying yeah. that you watch those comments and those things they do yeah. to try and get people out there inside information into these companies that that they want yeah. to know about. You're investigating. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, essentially that that is the role, right? Because these companies themselves aren't really big like when when you're putting in money into an ICO or you're buying cryptocurrencies, you're essentially giving money to a startup. And it's not so hard to get information. Uh, If you're a bit adamant, you'll get even better information. So I kind of tend to dig deep. And, you know, one of the few early coins that I kind of went totally bullish on and that I found early on, one of them was blue. And I was actually making a list of you know, coins, essentially a list of shit coins. Uh, and uh, <laughs> somebody on YouTube had had made a video about how how big of a scam Blue is. And uh, I was like, fine, let's put it in the list. 
So when I went to their website and I kind of read their white paper, I was completely blown away. I was like, wow, like maybe somebody made a mistake on that video. This coin like is making so much more sense. I joined their telegram. I spoke to the founder. I kind of like investigated, got more information. And then I went ahead and bought a ton of blue because I knew this was going to explode it. <laughs> I bought it at around like I started buying it around two and a half cents to about like five cents, six cents. And uh, yeah. And then it kind of went to two dollars recently. It's back and, to like 50 cents. Yeah. And uh, a representative from Blue was on the podcast. Episode 10. If you guys yeah. didn't hear that. Yeah. So we're friends now. Yeah. Uni yeah. and I, we, yeah, we speak often. That's excellent. And I mean, to me, you just outlined what I think every crypto investor should do if you're going to put your money into a project or a company, uh, you know, you went out and checked it out for yourself. I mean, we, we're going to do a lot of work. All of us have different, different talents in this thing. And so we're going to look at different camera angles. I call it, you know, you, you look at a totally different camera angle than I do being in a different part of the world, uh, different backgrounds. And some of the stuff you and I do have crossed over the years, but you know, you're always going to see something and I'm not and vice versa. So what, what I'm always telling everybody on the videos is that this is what you did with joining the telegram and reaching out to these companies. And well, maybe just talk about that. Have, have they been more accessible than you were? Were you surprised of how, when you have reached out to these companies, how accessible they were? Yeah. Uh, when I first reached out to them, I I think I had a slightly harder time because I, I wasn't really looking at Telegram. But now I just drop e emails and I find out. As an investor, everybody wants to answer your questions. And I don't see a reason why if you have questions, you should not be asking on Telegram and, you know, asking on email. And I kind of feel that a lot of these Telegram groups aren't well-managed and people are going around and asking the wrong questions. They're not asking questions about investment. They're asking about what the company is doing at this moment. Like, when are you going on Binance or when are you going on Bittrex? And that's that's easy part. Like, if the value is there, you don't have to be on a Bittrex or a Binance. That's not the end of the world for a cryptocurrency. That's just a part of it. Like, the stage yeah. we are at right now, yeah. Tell everybody why that is, why you would say that. And I, I think some people might be surprised at that. Some people might not, might not be surprised, but I, I'm not. But why why would you say that, that it, that's not the most important thing right now in this in this stage of the cycle we're in in cryptocurrency? Well, it is important, but it's not the most important thing. Like maybe right. three months ago, Bit Bittrex was the biggest thing. They were charging the most amount of, amount of money for listing. And then after... Like maybe two months ago, a month ago, Binance started becoming more popular and maybe a month later, it'll be QCoin. And the only thing that these exchanges have, which is the best part, is they have huge amounts of volumes, which kind of take the price up. And that's the best part for the investor. But that's that's just the price. That's not the project. Like if a project is creating an own microeconomy, then the project itself will give value to the cryptocurrency if there is enough token utility within the project. Else, the exchanges and all are just good for volume and trading and you know pumps and dumps sometimes, which I think is it's fine. Like, but it's not 
it's not the most phenomenal part of this massively beautiful industry. Exactly. That's not the first spot. And what you're saying, and a lot of the listeners, if they're young, they're not even going to know what I'm talking about here. But, uh, you know, it makes me makes me think of the days, early internet days. You guys will be really surprised that I paid over $20 a month for AOL email. And, <laughs> and <laughs> quit laughing at me. <laughs> and, you know, what happened you guys have never paid in your life for email for an email address, right? It's always been free. You've always had a Gmail. Well, yeah, when a better product, you know, faster, better, cheaper, uh, took over that AOL business. Well, all of a sudden, the dinosaur of the internet, uh, they had to quit charging for that because, and they had to move their business model to another way. Well, we're we're in the early stages of all this, so. It it's it reminds me what you just said with the exchanges. Um, they're they're doing what they can do right now because we're an immature space, an immature industry. Yeah. But these things will change, and in crypto, these things change fast. I mean, they change super yeah. fast when it comes to that stuff and innovation and fees and and all that. All of a sudden, next year. I mean, do you really think that next year you and I are even going to be having the same conversations? I mean, it changes it's that fast. I think, so here's the thing, right? I'm not saying that exchanges, uh, they only have that much value to the system. And right now they're super important, but maybe, you know, once the projects actually start coming out with their products, their own internal platform-based economies will become a better reason to hold your coins and be there rather than the volumes being on the actual exchanges, which is right. pretty hot right now because most of the platforms aren't out yet. Exactly. And this that will is... also determine the actual value of a cryptocurrency because if you look at Binance coin, like that's the best example of a token utility. And that's also a fantastic example of, you know, a platform which is out there that's showing how the value of a crypto will go up. So right. I actually joined Binance like three months back or just around when it launched and I ended up picking a couple of their coins under a dollar or something just to use for fees. I, I did not even think about trading that coin right. at all. Right. And I just bought some, like I spent, I think a couple of hundred bucks to just use it for fees. And then it went to, I, I think it crossed over $10 or something. And I was like, <laughs> wow. And I, I have no intention of selling it sure. because I intend to use that cryptocurrency for, to pay fees and get the discount. And that's the best example that one can see of token utility. And that's what's going to happen with other things. Like once you start using the crypto that you've purchased within that platform. So I think it's good time to see what utility the token has within the platform. I feel like once those things happen, you will actually be using them. And if you need to make money out of it, you can sell it. But yeah. Yeah. And see, I love you're talking about this because uh, Jeff and I, when we were just on the last podcast together, we were talking about this very thing. We we're talking about utility, absolute use case utility token within a company's yeah. ecosystem versus a an ICO offering that they're trying to raise money for the startup. It's way different. Right. I mean, it, you, what's your give everybody a, a simple version of those two? I mean, you kind of did. I really like that with the Binance example. But what's another example yeah. that you like out there that's doing that and they're building an ecosystem within within their their app? Everyone is doing the same thing. Essentially, everyone 
so forget about you know uh, the protocols and the builder platforms like ethereum lisk and uh, you know uh, ethereum classic and neo right. and all those like those are fine but i think over 90% are actual platforms that are using you know the, the erc20 token that's the ethereum token or you know any other token on one of these builder platforms and these will require utility within their platform and that utility does not have to be determined at the time of the ico like it's fine you can have if you believe in the team you believe in the project and you want to be like we we're working on the utility we haven't finalized it yet it's fine like once you come up with your platform and then you realize that without giving it a specific utility the platform isn't getting too much you know use case for the token and it can be so i i kind of feel that utility is not a mandate but if if the founders have kind of thought of a good utility before the ico for me that's that's a really good sign to get into that ico oh i like that and i i mean i'm going to second you on that and just say okay well i've been trading uh either commodities options or stocks for over 20 years well you know i use brokerages i use these companies that do this well your your idea of the trading fees is the utility is is a great example well no matter what i would use i know i would use that i'm going to be in this uh trading world investing world the rest of my life i know right. this and right. so that for a use case is a no brainer to me i mean that's that's one of those there where i'm going well yeah if i'm going to have to uh if i'm going to have to spend money on trading fees for the next 20 years then why don't i do yeah. that with the the best and the brightest company that i can get involved with to maybe like you said uh maybe my my first initial investment that i put into this token maybe it's not completely developed yet but i know good and well later on uh that that yeah. that utility token for within their app for trading is going to be you know at least at least as valuable as when they launched or maybe their projections may yeah. be more that'd be great but i would use that i know i'm going to use that well that to me is a reason a big reason then to go in uh to a project because uh, you know i guess it's just like what comes to the top of my head and we talked about it in the podcast was um and i don't know maybe you know about this company but kwh um I heard an interview a pod uh, a podcast with somebody from there and I guess just like the other electric or uh, green energy solar projects out there where where their utility token is actually transacting power between each other but then they're but then they're they have another coin and that's used for basically their VC money their startup money their their investment into that into that company and i don't think they have all those yeah. together yet but those are great use cases uh to me yeah uh coming to binance like yeah i hear your point as well but it's also like you can use it in multiple facets as well for example in binance you can pay fees using the crypto that you're trading like whatever pair that you're using you can use that as fees that's fine but you can right. get a discount if you use the binance coin and oh, uh, whatever fees that they collect they burn it so the supply is like oh, like going nice. down by a lot and then they don't burn it immediately they collect it in a pool and then they burn it so what happens is the price is like 
you know the 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 amount of binance coins in the market is going down like quite a bit all right this is great that you bring this up because yeah a lot of people are confusing limited supply okay let's take precious metals yeah you you can mine more precious metals we can get more gold out of the ground we can get more oil we can get more natural gas resources you know anything right. like that um but what's one of the only things in the world that's fixed supply that's never going to be anymore? And that's a lot of these cryptocurrencies that have a, a limited supply. The only thing, maybe you got another example of this, but the only thing that I can compare it to uh, that we might know of is, um, you know, let's say, uh, gosh, you were into music. Okay, you're in the music industry. Yeah. What if you had yeah. a limited edition... Beatles album that there was only yeah. there was only 10 of them made okay and all yeah. four of the Beatles signed it authenticated and there was never ever going to be any more than those 10 well that's a okay. fixed limited supply that value like a like a Picasso painting Picasso isn't alive and he's not going to paint anymore and the Beatles right. aren't going to make any more albums and those are limited supply. Those are fixed. And I think everybody has a hard time when they move over into this crypto space understanding what you just said about the burn. Because yeah. they think it's like a stock or they think it's like gold. Because the stock market, the company can just issue more shares. If they want to, they can do do all kinds of stuff to to issue more shares but uh in in these things that have limited supply in crypto you can't compare yeah. them to stocks or to gold or to diamonds or oil you know yeah is, is anything else come to you that you you know you think of like that i mean uh, this is this is the first u thing in history like we're experiencing in where the math <laughs> with this fixed supply is built into the math and that's it and that's all the Bitcoin there's ever going to be. <laughs> that's just, yeah, it's unlike I, anything I we've feel, seen. I feel that supply itself is like a pretty complicated subject. And I think so far, all I've heard, even from some of the top, you know, founders of cryptocurrencies, like, well, it's an arbitrary number that we just came up with. And it really makes no sense to have this thing which is so important being such an arbitrary thing so i kind of feel that yeah over time things like supply will have an essential business and scientific study behind it before people even come up with the number like we, we are at such a nascent stage in this industry that you know the standards that are being set are based on on they're based on nothing really like for example if there is a successful ico right then the next ICO will emulate almost every facet of it. And yeah, they will try and look it. at every... But, but then the ICO that went successful will not, would not have had done everything right. You can't... At this stage, nobody is doing everything right. Everybody is, you know, doing some mistake or the other. Like, speaking to ICOs that happened in 2016 and 2017, which I do on a regular basis, and asking them how you would have changed things, all of them kind of 
come up with different answers about what worked in terms of marketing for them, what didn't work, what what they should have done from before, talking about timing and what was important, what was not. And because these surveys, these informations, they haven't been done yet. Uh, it's very hard to determine what is right, what is wrong, what is the best supply, what is the high supply. And that being just a small part of the entire equation of this crypto space. And I feel that we're... We're doing things like people who are doing ICOs are doing it and a lot of stuff is happening and after a while there will be much more understanding in it and I can't wait for the day. So it's, so you're saying it's been a shotgun approach. So a lot of these startups, these crypto companies, they might be very good experienced people in business. Lots of right. experience in that. But yeah. in this space, since it's so new... Uh, they're yeah. just shotgunning in and out there. And so you, okay, you, you got to stop you where you said that. You, you've talked to a lot of these founders and these people in this. Yeah. And so if you got to give me a a one out of 10 of maturity, like where you think this is going with those founders and their companies and you say, oh, well, they're going to, they're going to learn how to do this. Where would you say yeah. we're in the scale? If one is an infant baby and Inten right. is a full maturity company like I'm not going to pick one of the biggies guys okay so uh let's just pick a normal <laughs> tech company let's just pick a tech company that's been around for um Man, a short I'm not answering this question for you <laughs> I'm not answering this. I can't answer man I'm nobody to judge like these guys who've done such amazing work in this space all I'm saying is all I'm saying is that as I see it like there is so much that needs to be learned, no, so much needs to be studied in this space. And uh, till we don't have a lot of these answers, which we do arbitrarily, right? right. Once right. these answers aren't there, like I feel that this this is still like the industry. And that's essentially what will become these the bubble, like these mistakes, which yeah. end up, you know, blowing up the economy in terms of like whims and fancies and hopes. Right. That's essentially the bubble being created. And when will it burst is when the reality will stick in that okay this token doesn't have any utility it's just a token so might as well just buy bitcoin which has you know worldwide presence so fixed like, supply the proven ones the good ones will do well like we, we just had that example of binance and i think we can stick to it because it's just easy to explain it's a great one it, it being a it's a product that's working right now so mm -hmm. yeah but, but I mean, with a lot of the others, if they're not able to work out a utility, supply doesn't make sense, you know, and uh, kind of tokenomics doesn't make sense. The economic health of the coin gets hurt because, you know, too much bonuses were given in the beginning. Like, I, I don't know. Like, these are questions that I don't have answers for, but I have to but, see and observe more as well, things go along. And really, oh. exactly right. I mean, I, I wouldn't look to to anybody necessarily right now for these answers. But the fact is, you've been thinking about this. You've been talking to the other yeah. companies, and they're thinking about these things, and they're asking the questions, what if, what if, what if? I mean, that to me is the biggest factor here, is if you have a bunch of, well, you said it. Uh, what are your two biggest factors when you look at these companies? Your biggest priorities for when, you, and you told me, I think you said it were your only two concerns when it's all said. Yeah, done. my major concerns like the ones so if these two concerns are you talking about an ICO or just investing post ICO well 
I'm good with both. Why don't you split it up? So let's talk about first ICO. Yeah. And then, so we'll, then we'll talk about ICO, yeah. yeah. So my investing in ICO is fairly simple. Like I, I don't have a very complicated method. The first thing I look at is whether I can trust the team, you know, like that's pretty much like 40 to 45% of my weightage goes to the trust for the team. Like I don't mind losing 10%, 20%, 30% after the ICO, you know, that's fine. Right. But I might losing 100%. So I, right. I know if I can trust the team, I, I might not, I will not lose 100%. So that surety is my first basic problem during okay. the ICO because there is, yeah. I'm going to slow you down though on that for everybody listening who has no idea okay. about this space or let's, I mean, we have a lot of people who have never invested in stocks. So okay. um, when you say trust the team, so yeah. maybe expand on that a little bit. So my trusting the team uh, might be different than yours, but from the listeners. So let's, let's just pull uh, an example out of thin air. Let's take Facebook, right? Probably right. most people out there listening saw the movie about, mm -hmm. you know, the popular movie about Facebook and Zuckerberg that, oh, I can't remember the actor's name that played the, <laughs> the guy that played Zuckerberg on the, on the Facebook movie. What Jesse was the name? Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse ah. Eisenberg? No. Uh, That's him, right? We'll get fact checked on this anyway, so no worries. <laughs> but, but you know, you, most of you probably saw that movie and you saw the early days of okay, well, uh, he Zuckerberg was the the team, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. in the beginning of this whole thing, this was just an idea and a thought, and this was uh, them coding it up and making it work and launching it out to some colleges. Uh, yeah. So nobody in the early days of Facebook would have even been able to, if they were sitting here talking on a podcast, and you said to me, "Hey, uh, I know this guy Zuckerberg, and he's got it." He's got this uh, app out to like 10 colleges. Uh, do we trust him as a team? Yeah. And so I, you... I, I would trust the student uh, quite a bit because if somebody is, you know, 15, 16, 20, 25, such people are usually enthusiastic to get stuff done. And the rest mm -hmm. will be the kind of team he's associating with because if he's the young one, he's starting it off. Who are his advisors? Who are the other people working with him? And right. I, I usually like teams with, you know, young, super young founders. They are the ones. Look at Shingo from Ethos. I don't even know how old he is, but I think he's very, very young. And uh, many of these startups, like many of these cryptos, like they have extremely young founders. I think Internext is another one who has an extremely young founder. And okay. yeah, so these, these, these companies can totally have the money because Are, these guys aren't going to cheat you they have their life ahead of you they haven't even gone through enough failures to be wanting to cheat somebody so that's usually an easy one yeah and they're yeah. trying to build something big okay so then on the team what else are you looking for you're an advisor to some projects i mean when you're in that role uh when you look at another company are you looking at their advisor team like who they're who their advisor are? What are you looking for? Are you looking for the fact that they built other companies before, or what are what stands out to you on the teams? What stands out is essentially what kind of a developer team do they have? 
So uh, team and advisors, uh, I kind of consider them pretty much the same thing because right. as an advisor myself, I'm working pretty much on the projects I work with at a very, you know, hands-on level. Uh, so, so with the team, like what kind of a tech background do the 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 technology side of the people have? Like what what are they, what their backgrounds are? How many you know? interface developers front end developers right you know what what have they done in the past uh if they're building their own blockchain now or eventually what kind of an experience do they have on that front and right. that experience kind of makes it easy to see you know uh, where things would be headed as well then the business side of it like you know h- how well have has the team experienced business before marketing i think ico requires a ton of smart marketing because this space is so new you don't know what you can do to get your brand across and actually that kind of merges with my second thing that i look at which is like 30% weightage uh, okay so so you said 45% team and 40 to 45 40, 40, 40 let's take it 40. okay yeah. and you're saying you're saying another 35 on what 30 30 on marketing and hype. 30. So if if there is a if there is hype and if there is a you know a bunch of followers who kind of believe in the project and you know they're like excited about it coming out and then you'll know that the ICO will do well and those who will be able to buy into the ICO they will probably hold the coins for a longer time and the ones that will miss out will probably pick it up on exchange so and you kind said- of shows that you know, Americans are really good at hype and marketing. And you said around the world, I know when we were talking that a lot of other countries <laughs> don't get that, that that's really important, even though, even though, you know, people, people get bashed for it, uh, maybe in America, but that it, that's a very important component. You're giving it 30%. Yeah. So like Americans are really good at marketing. Like there is no, no denying that. You know, one all the top companies. Like, if you look at the ones which are totally marketed and everybody knows them, they're all American. Google, Nike, Amazon, uh, uh, Facebook. Like, they're all American companies. And besides the fact that they are phenomenal companies, the fact that they know how to reach out to people—that's that's like a huge thing. And uh, when we were speaking earlier about this topic, what I wanted to say was that, you know, American. ICOs have been able to create enough hype as well and kind of getting into one originating out of America is kind of easier. Uh, that's from the hype and the marketing perspective. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did, I don't know if you don't want to name any names, but is there like two or three of them that you or can give everybody examples or? Of course. Look at Quantstamp. Look at Btoken of newer ones. Like okay. they, they did really, really well as well. And uh, both of them had like massive following. And I think Refereum, that's the new one with like 100,000. I can't even enter their Telegram group because it's foolish, like 100,000 people. In On which one? I, 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 it's called Refereum, but I'm not sure if it is American or not. I have to check. But okay, but... They but- have- the point is yeah. on that one it's got the hype you know we say hype I, it depends on what people think We're, when when i think when i hear you talking about that you're not being negative what you're talking about is 
is social media presence, marketing, buzz. Uh, you you want people to share this stuff, and you're talking, you know, if that's a company that is getting shared a lot, I know some people would go chicken or egg, you know, which comes first. So, you know, if the if the company's product is the chicken, and here comes the egg of the marketing, but you got yeah eggs first, and then the chicken develops. I don't know. That's uh, there could be a big debate or tail wagging the dog, but. You're saying that a lot of these other companies might be great. You were telling me that before. They might have great products and great leadership, but if they don't have the marketing side down, they're they're suffering and people won't know about it and there's not enough buzz to get the to get the revenue flowing in. By hype I actually just mean like a community. Yeah. I by hype I I don't mean even the marketing side, right? You don't have to do too much on on telegram and facebook etc but the community automatically comes to you and that's why i'm not like i'm not a big i don't really enjoy or like companies that spend too much or have a big budget for their bounty programs because essentially what happens is people start you know wanting to get your tokens for free and it, it kind of gives away free tokens to people who are not really interested in the project per se and right. uh, frankly some some companies are just able to create hype just by having some smart ideas for example when constamp was doing their whole proof of care thing i thought that was a pretty fantastic idea uh because it kind of showed that people genuinely cared about the project and uh, you know were willing to do marketing for it and the, in that process the community ends up learning more about the project learning more about the crypto space and you know kind of follow it uh, going further. And there is another aspect to it, right? Uh, which is, if if you buy into a specific ICO of a company, you, you have this kind of a, uh, attachment to that. Like whatever your first cryptocurrency is or first ICO or whatever ICOs you participate in, most people yeah. have like a bit of an affection towards it. Brand loyalty. Kind of, yeah, Absolutely. that kind of builds that whole brand loyalty towards it. And that that is good because I know these people are not going to dump their coins and that, that shows that it is going to have most probably a good economic health going further. Yeah, it's the same as people loving Apple products that they got into them years ago and they'll never buy anything else. Um, brand yeah. loyalty. And, and that's that's good. So w- let me jump back though. What did, you, what did you mean? Tell everybody what you mean by the bounty. On, oh, bounties? So- yeah, on ICOs. Tell, explain that. So to, to get uh, people in the crypto space and otherwise to more know more about, you know, a particular ICO, there are bounty programs that are run, which are pretty popular, actually. And uh, a lot of people are their bounty. They take up these bounties. They write articles about them. They do translations, etc., which is great. Right. right. But then you can spend a bit extra on the bounty to get even further marketing and outreach done. Uh, which sometimes becomes quite a bit. And uh, a lot of people who are not interested in the project just because they want to get free tokens end up buying them, which is also fine because ultimately you want your, you know, uh, tokens to be distributed amongst as many people as possible. So uh, it's kind of good and bad, but it's just that when everybody is just asking and interested in the bounty program, that kind of messes up the entire communication and, you know, kind of makes it a little more, 
uh, off topic in my these opinion. Are, sometimes. These are things that you were talking about in this space that everybody doesn't really know how it's going to go. They just, they let all Correct. these things out there right. and then, and then hope for the best or not. Hope, that's maybe that's a bad way to say it, but you're saying that a lot, some of these things can go off the rails and just go yeah. into their own thing. And we're going to learn earlier. You said we're going to learn from those and we're going to know. Oh. Yeah, I, I could be completely wrong. Like I could be off my radar right now with the way I think. Like I'm, I'm absolutely open to, you know, right. being proven wrong with the way I think. But I'm pretty open minded when I'm looking at these things and I and I kind of follow the saying, you know, trend is your friend. So yep. as of now, this is how I'm participating in the ICOs. If I can trust the team, if there is good marketing, uh, that's about 70% total. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I look at like, 10% for me is about the prototype. If they have like a prototype ready, that's quite impart- important, like 10 to 15. I think 15% could go in it. Another 10% I would, you know, uh, I would be, what is it? I forget right now. Uh, the, the, the least important 5% for me to get into an ICO is what's the idea behind the project, frankly. And that's just for me looking at the ICOs. Okay, Not like for do you do you mean like product or vision or which which aspect on that which is the least? I mean, so here's the thing: like there are so many ideas and so many people doing stuff, right? So if the team is there and people are creating a hype, the idea cannot be all bad. So right. that kind of becomes a less important factor for me for I myself see. to really consider about you know whether the ICO will be successful or not because there are two separate projects altogether: building a platform and running your community. And that is after the ICO, and then ICO is one project which is, you know, uh, which is like a project by itself. You have a successful ICO, it's it's like your your wedding's like everything's gone smoothly, and then after that the marriage continues. And okay, then you know, tell then me that, tell me a story of somebody who did it right. That in your in your when you first got into this. Uh, where you you followed i mean there's a reason why you're saying that 70 percent of what how you evaluate is team uh there and i think civic yeah civic can be a decent example to show how a good ico can be run they had a long path for investments and they did it right i kind of feel that their token utility is still under question. I'm unable to understand it. Although I feel that you know what they did as a project for their ICO was uh, pretty fabulous, and I think they did an amazing job. I think Monaco did a pretty fantastic job of you know finding the timing right, and then they got their uh, compliance and everything sorted out pretty well as well. So I was pretty happy with that so project. Monaco, and, Monaco uh, you brought up to me earlier, uh, is going to be featured on an interview, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, I met Chris, the founder, at uh, Blockchain Economic Forum in Singapore, and we had like a phenomenally nice conversation. Uh, he's he's a good guy, but the thing is, I asked him to bump me up uh, to get me a card, you know, before everybody else does. He said he cannot help me out, so I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So. <laughs> Sid, sorry, buddy. I mean, uh, I was like, we've had. So, I was like, we had such a nice conversation, man. Like, come on, man. Like, give me a card a bit earlier. He's like, no. What number are you on? I'm like, I'm eleven thousand, man, out of sixty thousand. He's like, just share it with your friends, man, and ask them to 
like get this app and I'm like come on man but no he, said, <laughs> he didn't oh. do it he didn't fall for it huh but he, he didn't fall for it at all what do you yeah. like about I mean I know you're going to you're going to do an interview the interview is going to be posted on Altcoin Buzz YouTube right yes of course yes yeah so everybody this is a great opportunity right now you're listening to the podcast uh what you want to do is when you get get where well, you're not driving or you're not on the treadmill uh get on YouTube Type in Altcoin Buzz, go to the channel and look for the interview. Uh, do you know when it's going to be released? Oh, today or tomorrow. Uh, okay, have, so by I the... I just need to release it. It's done, the, though. Yeah, by the time you guys are hearing this podcast, the interview will already be on there. So that's great. While you're so. on YouTube, hit the uh, subscribe button, and then every time that he does one of these with these guys, you're going to get a notification that's going to come in there. So that's great. So tell yeah. me a story then of another. You talked about Civic, and I was early on in Civic, by the way, um, yeah. because I believed in the founder and what he was doing, and I downloaded the app, and I did all my whole thing with my fingerprint. But, um, you know, that that was a good story to me. Uh, what, what's another story you got that you really, you just, you bought into the founders and the project and what they're doing? Oh, I, I I was pretty enthusiastic recently about Experty. Uh, oh, yeah. I kind of I kind of got close to the founders before when I was checking it out, and I saw that they had a specific vision. I saw that you know the token economics made sense, the token utility also made some sense, and there were a couple of features that kind of attracted me as well. The founders come from a background of running their own tech company. Uh, then after like following them up for like maybe 20 days and like having several conversations with them uh, on various topics and seeing how they deal with stress, how they deal with situations, I kind of realized that, yeah, I could trust them. And that was one of the projects that I kind of went big in uh, at the ICO stage. And of course, before that, I, I, I've been into so many of them, but my decent one was that I, I loved the way Car Vertical had organized their ICO big degree was fantastic. Just my experience yeah. of buying into the bid degree ICO was fantastic. Like the setup that they had done, like on their website, oh, it was just such a right. breeze. Like everything was easy to understand. And and I like that. Like it, it has to be that simple. Like it cannot be as complicated as... So Experty didn't do a fantastic job with their, uh, uh, you know, uh, the organization part of it because they tied up with Bitcoin Suisse. And Bitcoin right. Suisse is not a massive organization. It may sound like a credit Suisse or, you know, the Bank of Switzerland, but it's not. It's like... A Which is why they, they probably named it that on purpose. Yeah. Well, that's good. Like a good brand name is always good for your marketing. It puts you out there, which is fine. But th there were several issues and delays and stuff like that. And I kind of felt that that could have been avoided, although the project was good and I, I loved getting into the ICO. And I was lucky because I was at a higher tier, so I didn't have to go through a lot of these messes. However, like the people, like their Telegram chat, they, they were facing a lot of issues. And that was kind of sad. Uh, leaves a sour taste in your mouth, uh, which is not which is not like a good thing. No, for sure. But it does uh, interest me what you said about BitDegree. Uh, if, they, yeah. if they had such an, um, an easy path... Uh, to get into that doesn't that prove the point that you're making of if 30 percent of this is 
easy to share. It's surrounding hype where people want to be involved and they talk about it and they share it. That component is that'll go even more if these companies have an easy on ramp. Like oh, like no, what you said with Bitdegree. Yeah. No, if man, you, this is different. Uh, the thing is that it's different because that's just the end result, right? That's just mm. the participating of. Uh, that's just the participating in the ICO. That bit degree had made it super easy, but that that's irrelevant of the hype and the marketing and irrelevant of the, you know, trusting the founders. It's a separate topic altogether. But what I meant to say is that, but it's also different because I cannot. I cannot say that they did the right thing because having Bitcoin Swiss totally does a massive favor for the token of expertise. That is, it does mm. a, a serious check on AML, which is anti-money laundering. So because expertise tied up with Bitcoin Swiss, although the process was slow and painful, they also had uh, anti-money laundering and KYC done to the T. That means people who bought their tokens okay. have been verified by a specific com- company so if tomorrow regulations come and they hit old older like previously done icos expertise would have safeguarded themselves by doing this process so it's a bit complicated to just say i mean my perspective i i may have spoken earlier about just one side of it but there is so much to it you know yeah there is and you we can't hit on all of it i guess uh one yeah. of the one of the examples that i have if you guys want to know this is uh, when Robinhood released their news yeah. the other day and said they're getting into crypto and you know we did it we did episodes on it I'm not going to go back and rehash all that but I had somebody I know in town that is totally separate from I don't think he watches altcoin buzz or anything like this he he texted me his referral link on Robinhood and I had already signed up for the waiting list to see what was going on with that. And right. then I got between him and me, we we got six other people to open a Robin Hood and get on the waiting list because it was yeah. so easy to do. I mean, to yeah. share it and for people to do it. And I've already gotten three friends who got free stock and and. Yeah. Whether, you know, when they bring online, they bring crypto online to Robinhood in a month or two or a year, there's right now, there's over 1.2 million people waiting in line to trade crypto in the Robinhood app. And that right there was an easy on-ramp. And so it got shared. I guess that's the dynamic that that I want to add to your conversation of these companies. When you have that kind of... um I mean, it just makes it so easy. I can give you an example of one last year that a friend got involved with a business, and it was just hard. I mean, you guys may not know about this, but there was, you know, there was papers to notarize, and there was things to <laughs> I eyes to dot and t's to cross that nobody wanted to do, and you wouldn't get your average person to get involved with any of this if it didn't have a a nice easy path to to sign up and work in that. And then, you know, just lastly, I'm, I love this uh, idea of doing everything preemptively according to the KYC rules because yeah. those companies are going to win. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. I mean, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be winner, winner right there, no matter what. Um, Sash, 
we we are running out of time on this on this episode 11 um is it okay if i bring you on uh for episode 12 and this will be part one and you and i continue this because we still have the conference to talk about uh which conference did you go to uh blockchain economic forum in singapore yeah so here's the uh you know full disclosure i'm teasing you guys we're we're going to hang you. We're going to leave you hanging right here because I want you to hear about the conference and and the people that he got to interview and what's going around, what's happening around the world uh, for that. But uh, you guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know where we're at. All you got to do is go to altcoinbuzz.io. Uh, join us up on all, there's all social medias. I guess I, guess I should ask you, sir, what, uh, if, what are you most active on the social media? I guess because all of us um, are active on different spaces. Which one are you most active with? Telegram. Telegram. So, how does everybody yeah. contact you on Telegram? I'm Saurian X S A U R I A N X on Telegram. You can just ping me. Excellent. Uh, any final thoughts on everything we talked about today, or want to tell everybody anything before we <laughs> sign off? Our conversation was all over the place, but I think it was pretty good. And it's always such a pleasure talking to you, Matt. I don't have anything more to add here. Ah, excellent. We will uh, we'll see you guys on episode 12. Thank you so much for listening. If you were, if you were on this and it's the first time, uh, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, we appreciate it big time because that helps us move up the new and noteworthy. And uh, we can do more of these. And we got a we got a good sized team. I don't think everybody realizes how big the team is. So you're going to be hearing from the Altcoin Buzz g- Girls Group. Uh, they're doing podcasts, and we're having new and fresh content all the time. So thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Josh. Mm-hmm.